Nolte Manning the second here hanging out uh, with Thomas Manning uh, Hollywood uh, it's written all over him uh, <laughs> he's got it behind him he's got it on his shirt he wants you to know he is Hollywood and also I will share this in this particular episode of meet me at the movies there is an easter egg relating to Thomas's past so just just watch and, and see what you find what you find Douglas Davidson uh, joining us uh, today right here on meet me at the movies good to see you back buddy how are you man I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm delighted to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, initially, we were going to bring in just Douglas for a little five minute segment uh, to talk about the Batman, because we're all excited about that. But then uh, everything else fell apart. So we said, okay, well, we'll just we'll just see if Douglas could just hang out with us for the for the rest of the show. So uh, I'm glad that you uh, had nothing better to do with your life than to spend time with us. Uh, for the next uh, 26 or 30 minutes. You, you gave me an opportunity to talk movies. I'll make time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's really good to see you always, man. Always. Well, we, we do want to start the show off with the Batman because that's the thing that everybody is talking about. Uh, we've been talking about it, what it seems like forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and here we are actually able to talk about it because uh, some of us have seen it. So uh, give us uh, give us your thoughts on uh, the Batman or, or Thomas. Do you have any thoughts or comments um, before we before we dive in with Douglas? Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, does Bruce Wayne make an appearance in this film? <laughs> yes, he does. Okay, well, as long as sort Bruce Wayne's of. in it, then. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, because that's, that, that's what's know. actually fascinating about this movie. Sort of. Okay, okay, well, it was meant to be a satirical question, but now I'm even more intrigued. So, uh, yeah, go, go for it, Douglas. Well, what's one of the interesting things about Batman, for those that have been reading the comic for a number of years, and in this aspect, I'll keep it brief, and as always, my thoughts on this will be as spoiler-free as possible. But within the comics, there's always been this idea that the bat, the Batman, the cowl, is the true face of that individual, and Bruce Wayne is the mask. And in Matt Reeves and Peter Craig's The Batman, you really get the sense that that cowl, that's, that's who he is. That is his real identity. So a lot of people with Robert Pattinson, who does a great job in this as Batman, is a little stiff and stilted and a little awkward, a little, uh, a lot of people have made some emo references to his presentation as Bruce Wayne. I argue that it's because he doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne at this point. In this film, it's two years into his journey as the Batman. He's made a presence. He's developed a relationship with Lieutenant Jim Gordon. That's right, Lieutenant, not Commissioner. You've got the bat signal. You've got some things. There's some boots on the ground. They know who he is, and his mission is vengeance. And what's interesting about this film is that it explores the idea of vengeance and the way in which a life of vengeance, what's the ripple effect of that? And can you actually get what it is you want when you live a life of vengeance? So I found it fascinating in that exploration of Batman as an idea. It's quite honestly the best Batman detective film we've gotten in the live action films that we've, that we've received so far. It does some really interesting things in changing the lore and changing what we know. 
I'm curious if that's intentional, as in to plant seeds for later, or if it's just something that you thought would be interesting for now. But those of you that are very familiar with the, the canon, be prepared for some changes. Be prepared for some changes. I think they're interesting, and the ripple of that could be particularly fascinating. I will admit it does, you start to feel the length of this nearly three-hour movie uh, as it gets sort of past the halfway point, but anything dealing with the detective worth solving these mysteries that are coming up as a serial killer, leaving riddles around Gotham as he's killing Gothamites, that's the fascinating part. That's the really interesting bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for people to see this movie, if only because it is going to create conversation. It is very, very different. Very cool. Uh, and you've, have you seen all the other uh, incarnations of, of Batman on, on the big screen? The only one that I don't think I've seen on the big screen and only remember portions of is the Adam West Batman movie. But yes, the rest of them I'm pretty sure I've seen in the big screen. Uh, in fact, the Michael Keaton Batman is, the 89 Batman is very close to my heart and I love that film. So you say this is probably the best detective version, yes. which, you know, when you think back to the original Batman detective comics, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's, that's pretty fitting. Uh, for those who were kind of the naysayers saying, you know, why do we need another Batman now? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it hasn't been that long since, or it doesn't feel that long since, you know, Christopher Nolan and of course Ben Affleck. Uh, how would you answer that question? Well, I'd answer it by saying that we didn't need Ben Affleck and we didn't need Tom Holland either when we had these other actors. It's more about is there a story worth telling and is there a story worth experiencing? And in this instance, I think that there is in fact a story worth experiencing. I think that there's some interesting questions being asked by this script and that there's an interesting opportunity brought up by this version of a Batman who's still young and new. Is he a great detective? Is he the world's greatest detective as Batman is known? No, but he's getting there. And we're seeing some of those things. And particularly for folks of a certain age who have played the Arkham video games, there's a lot in the production design, in the fighting style, and sort of the overall um, mood of this film that will feel very familiar. And to me, the Arkham video games have been the closest we've gotten to taking the comic book and making it physical. And the fact that this film gets almost as close is pretty remarkable. Very cool. Uh, and you also, uh, you made some special nods to the writing mm -hmm. aspect of this, and, and you were noticed by a co-writer of this <laughs> film as well, correct? Is that, Thomas, Thomas showed me that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently he said that he wants to buy me a drink. Uh, I didn't have the heart to tell him I'm basically a teetotaler at this point, but you know, uh, for a chance to talk about the the work that he did on the movie, uh, yeah, I'll settle up to the bar. Absolutely. That was a uh, that was Peter Craig, correct? That is correct. Uh, yeah, Co-writer yeah, on that, yeah, and yeah. Uh, in in particular, I'd love to talk to him about just the ideas and what the intention was with some of these choices. Of course, won't get into that now, yeah. but uh, I do think people are going to be surprised by this film in terms of is it necessary? None of these films are necessary. But is there a story worth telling? Absolutely. And those of us that have seen Robert Pattinson in these other roles beyond Twilight 
understand that he is inc incredibly capable. Uh, Robert Patterson uh, uh, in some great stuff. They're going to be impressed by this. Absolutely. Very cool. Thomas, uh, questions for Douglas? Oh, yeah. So I know we have a handful of villains in here from Batman's uh, rogues gallery. We have Do Paul we? Dan well, uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler, uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Colin Farrell as Penguin, I guess. Um, I love if you have anything you want to talk about uh, regarding their characterizations and performances. Uh, love to hear you speak to that a little bit. Well, uh, we'll go with Selena Kyle, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, this is Catwoman in idea, okay, but not necessarily in the way that we've seen her. Her incorporation into this story for me is one where I can look at the script and go, I know why you made the choices you did with this character in order to get us from point A to point B, but it's gonna be a different version of the character than we've seen before. But with Zoe Kravitz, she's able to bring out the strength, the agency, the ferocity that we are used to with a modern Catwoman that I think audiences are really going to enjoy. And personally, her chemistry with Batman, to be very clear, on screen is fantastic. So whether or not uh, there is a follow-up and whether or not she's part of it, I would certainly want to see that. Paul Dano is, in some cases, electric, which we shouldn't be surprised by at this point. This character actor is so good at embodying different types of, of individuals, some that are a little more broken than others. But without getting too much into it, the, the screen time that he has, he makes the absolute most of, and his presence is felt throughout. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, he is just fantastic in this. You didn't bring him up as Gordon, but I will, because he has a lot of great scene work uh, with Pattinson as Batman, and you believe their relationship. You believe the trust, you believe what is going on between the two of them. And that is absolutely necessary. And it is, of course, as effortless as always from Wright. But if you wanna talk about having a good time, that's Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin. Again, uh, for the sake of this, I will keep it brief and just say that the prosthetics are amazing. Due to the prosthetics, he literally disappears into the role and he is so much fun to watch in every frame he's in. And he's part of one of the most interesting uh, car chases that we've gotten in any superhero movie to date. And look for a, a spinoff series too with Cobblepot, uh, with, uh, HBO as well. It, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. It's gotta you know, happen. honestly, I'd watch it. People have, uh, someone made a reference to him being like some Sopranos character. And honestly, as good as the Sopranos are, I think that denigrates his performance just a little bit and what they do with that character. Cause it's a different version of the Penguin than we have seen in other uh, other cinematic forms. Certainly Danny DeVito did a great job in, in that role in making him creepy. This is a different type. There is an honor amongst thieves. Do not cross the penguin. Very, very cool. So what is your rating for the Batman? Uh, I gave it, uh, let's see, for you guys, I would say B plus A minus. Okay. Is how, is how I'd rate it. It is a solid film. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Uh, much like War of the Planet of the Apes, previous Matt Reeves film, this is one that has sat with me and my my feelings on it have changed over time. Wow. Definitely okay. think people are going to be satisfied with it. Okay. It is long and you will feel that at times, but it is still incredibly satisfying. 
Sweet. Douglas Davidson talking about The Batman. You can find that in theaters now. Uh, Zoe Kravitz in that film, also in a film Thomas and I are going to be talking about that you can find uh, Kimmy. Um, and uh, this is available. Where is this available, Thomas? This is on HBO Max. Yeah. All right. We'll dive in with some of your thoughts, Thomas, and I will chime in as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. You set me up there to dive into it. I just paused for a minute, but now, now we're, we're back in our rhythm here. Um, so this is, this is a Steven Soderbergh film directed, shot, and edited by him. Uh, but of course, in the credits, he uses pseudonyms as far as cinematography and editing goes. He just, you know, makes up a few names, throws them in there because I guess he doesn't want to give himself too much credit. Uh, but you know what, Steven, I'm going to give you the credit. Um, and uh, this, the script is written by David Kep, who actually wrote Jurassic Park. He wrote Mission Impossible. He wrote um, the first Spider-Man, same Raimi film. So um, between, between the direction and the writing, uh, there's a lot, um, a lot to keep your eye on here, but I think Zoe Kravitz, her performance is really what drives the entire film. She, her character is agoraphobic and she captures that anxiety um, and just the apprehension of the noise and chaos of an uncontrollable world around you, but also working to control that chaos through obsessiveness and compulsion, which can lead to even more anxiety and apprehension and the way that this film kind of portrays that vicious cycle is really, really fascinating. Um, and you know, there are a handful of great, a uh, few supporting performances in here, um, but it's mostly Kravitz, who's, um, who's the heart and soul of it all. Um, as far as the camera work, what Soderbergh is able to do with uh, making very in intricate and complicated shots look fluid and natural, it always impresses me. Um, it finds a balance between being subtle, but also flashy. Um, it doesn't exactly call attention to itself, but you recognize and appreciate the way the camera is moving and, you know, the way he might use a dolly, um, a dolly across the room here, or the way he uses a slow zoom in or the way the camera spins around the character in this setting, you watch it and you say, Oh, that was a really cool shot, but it's not distracting. And it's not there just for the sake of being there. It's really all part of the marriage between what's on the page, what's on the script, and also how that's conveyed visually. Um, so, you know, I just love how Soderbergh, um, I love what he does as a visual storyteller. And um, so, yeah, I, you can probably tell I'm quite, definitely a fan of uh, Kimmy. So. Yeah, this had a very rear window type of feel to it uh, as well. Uh, I uh, appreciate it. You said Zoe Kravitz. She was marvelous. Uh, some of the supporting cast for me, not so much. Uh, there, there was, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call, we'll call him a, a villain uh, who makes one of the first uh, appearances and really stilted, um, you know, unprofessional, uh, almost, um, you know, indie film reject actor kind of performance that that kind of took me out of it initially and so whenever this particular person was on screen um it, it just it didn't feel cohesive with the rest of the movie for me but kravitz shined and as you talked about the cinematography i loved it i love some of the choices uh you know she uh you you get a sense of her uncertainty with life and the choices that she has to make uh based on how the the camera shots are, are chosen uh, and also uh, the, the sound design, I thought, really worked well with this, too, which makes sense because there was another film uh, called Blowout, uh, one of my uh, De Palma film that I really loved. And I feel like this was a cross between Blowout and Rear Window, um, because with John Travolta's character uh, in Blowout, 
you know, trying to decipher what is this sound? What am I hearing? And you see Zoe Kravitz doing the same thing. The storyline is uh, there is a product very much like a Siri or an Alexa. And, and Kimmy uh, is the name of that product. And uh, Zoe Kravitz's character uh, is a real world person. You know, it's not algorithms, it's real people listening and, and trying to make things better. And she hears something that she thinks is a crime. And that sets up the rest rest of the story. And it was just really fascinating to watch. Uh, I was engaged with it. Um, I think Soderbergh uh, is, is just uh, just amazing uh, at what he takes on and the challenges he takes on. But uh, I, I loved Kravitz in this. And I'm glad I got a chance to check out this film. It, it kind of flew under the radar. But one well worth watching for her performance, uh, if, if nothing else. Uh, and you know, you talk about someone who's dealing with the anxiety and stresses that she is. She's also doing it uh, throughout this, this pandemic and you know, trying to uh, you know, make these decisions on, okay, do I step outside? Can I step outside? And when forced to make the choice of, okay, step outside or possibly live or die, you gotta wonder what's gonna happen. And, and that sets up a whole other string of things as well. So yeah, really fascinated with this film. Glad I got a chance to check it out. And where can people find it, Thomas, again? It's on HBO Max. Yeah. yeah. And right. uh, you mentioned there, you mentioned that it takes place during the COVID pandemic. And uh, actually, a friend of the show, Patrick Willems, he made a comment about that, how it's really fascinating. This is a film that takes place during the pandemic, but isn't necessarily about the pandemic. And there, you know, there's going to be a lot of pandemic movies over the next few years, and there already have been a few of them, but there are a lot of them struggle to find that balance between um you know being it just struggles to kind of separate itself from reality in a sense and doesn't know where the story is supposed to be focused but this one knows exactly where the story is focused so absolutely yeah. absolutely and what is your rating for kimmy i'm gonna give uh, kimmy a solid b plus yeah i'm right there with you solid b plus for this film uh if, if you can just overlook some of the uh supporting acting i think you'll be in good shape uh, we're going to take a quick break right here on meet me at the movies douglas davison joining thomas manning and myself uh, talking films when we come back uh, we're going to bring douglas back to talk about the pink cloud uh this is uh this is something that i think it happens whenever you're a power ranger and you uh disintegrate the pink power ranger uh so we'll, we'll see what that's all about right after this quick intermission <laughs> Community College has identified strengthening online learning as the topic for its quality enhancement plan. We're calling it SOUL. SOUL's five-year implementation plan is focused on continuous improvement of online courses and promoting student success. We're excited for you to take this journey with us.
Yeti Baseball is here. Our players are raring to go and swing for the fences, but Yeti Athletics isn't all that's great about Cleveland Community College. We offer a wide variety of programs for students of all ages. We'll help you train for a new job, gain more skills for a promotion, or get a head start on college credits. We know students learn in different ways. That's why we offer online and in-person classes. CCC, we can help you move forward safely. Visit clevelandcc.edu today and go Yetis. These days, having a secure job really matters. Take plumbing, for instance. No matter what's going on with the economy, there will always be a need for professional plumbers to fix problems, help finish a new home or renovation, and make sure the plumbing works just right. Plus, professional plumbers can make a very good living. CCC offers what you need to get going with your career as a plumber. We have a certificate program to give you top-notch residential plumbing skills and knowledge of code requirements. Our program can give you the technical know-how and skills to handle residential and some big commercial projects. You learn how to lay, install, and maintain piping fixtures and systems for gas, hot water, drainage, sprinkling, and plumbing processing systems in any environment. Job security, good pay, professional status. Now the question is, are you ready to start your journey today? Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch? Hello, welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. Snow Team Man of the Second here with Thomas Manning and Douglas Davidson. That's right, D2, Double D, right here on Meet Me at the Movies, C19 TV, and the podcast through WGWG.org. Well, before the break, we did tease the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers pink uh, Power Ranger uh, getting disintegrated and turning into a pink cloud. How did this happen, Douglas? How did this happen, man? Uh, I think it was your imagination. <laughs> and uh, no. Well, it's not. <laughs> pink well, cloud? Actually, that's not about Power Rangers? No, 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 okay. no, no. Actually, uh, what you were talking about, or more appropriately what Thomas was talking about prior to the break, was uh, slightly more accurate. The Pink Cloud, it's being released by Blue Fox Entertainment. It's hitting VOD and digital on March 1st. It's a film that they emphasize, and so will I, written in 2017, shot in 2019, edited in 2020. The Pink Cloud is, coincidentally, about a group of pink clouds that appear in the sky, and if you come outside, they will come find you, and in 10 seconds, you will die, sending everyone running inside but here's the thing a woman just so happens to have been with a one-night stand they get locked in together and what ends up happening is less about um a lockdown as one would presume and it's actually more of an examination of not only gender roles but literally what happens with women and the expectations of society and it's all done as sort of a no exit sartre experiment where whatever happens outside of the apartment, while it is relevant, is not as significant as what happens within it throughout the course of the film. It is a complicated and funny and sad and terrifying watch, but it is important that if you do check it out, it is not a COVID-related lockdown movie. All coincidental, it premiered at Sundance in 2021, uh, they were editing it when everyone went into lockdown. But it is a fascinating film looking at gender roles and specifically the pressures put on women. So if you get the chance, I do recommend checking it out. Pink Cloud, and where can, uh, where can people check it out now? 
Well, it's going to be on VOD and digital, so I would check your usual digital rental providers, your iTunes, and other similar services. All right. Well, Thomas, uh, you and I got a chance to check out the entire series of Reacher. Uh, we're not talking about the uh, Tom Cruise Jack Reacher film, but we are talking about the series you can find on Amazon Prime. And uh, when, when Tom Cruise came out as Jack Reacher, those who loved the books by, uh, by Lee Childs, uh, had issue with with Tom Cruise being cast. Well, Tom Cruise spent the money. He could cast him. He could do whatever he wanted to. I mean, but they had problems with that. Now, I did not. I, I thought it worked. It worked well. Uh, I, I think if you're trained, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, five foot two or six foot eight. But uh, we, we see a different type of Jack Reacher in this particular series. Uh, someone who uh, is cut. And I mean, really cut. This is the kind of guy that I was the body double for this guy in this particular series. So Thomas, let me get your thoughts on Reacher. Uh, and we do have just a couple of minutes to, yeah. to do quickly your thoughts. Yeah, so Lee Child, you mentioned he was the writer of the book series. He was also writer on this series and executive producer. Uh, so he was very much involved with the creative development. And Alan Richson plays Reacher here. Um, and I think he was perfectly cast. He's He's like the heavyset action heroes of the 80s, but not glamorized whatsoever. Um, he is, he's brutish, um, but he also has the brains and the savvy of like an Ethan Hunt or a Jason Bourne or James Bond. Um, and so the way this, this series explores the mystery and the intrigue and political undertones of, you know, so, there's something corrupt within this small town in Georgia that Reacher just stumbles upon. Um, it's, it's very, uh, very, very fascinating. Um, the supporting performance that I have to mention from Malcolm Goodwin as Detective Oscar Finley, he's, um, his screen presence, his charisma, just his coolness, it's, it's excellent. Um, and, you know, other supporting cast members, Willa Fitzgerald as Deputy uh, Roscoe Conklin, she's, she's great. Um, Chris Webster as uh, this, this creepy, sinister uh, KJ Klein Jr., uh, he's, he's, he kind of gets under your skin. Uh, also, Bruce McGill pops up as uh, Mayor Grover Teal. Uh, whenever uh, Bruce McGill pops up, you know he's going to turn out some great work as a character actor. Um, and so, uh, Noel, I know we're running a little bit short on time, but I'll let you get into some of your thoughts. Yeah, Bruce McGill, I love that guy. Yeah. I, I, anything yeah. that he's in, I'm going to watch it, and, and he does not disappoint here. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Malcolm Goodwin because he was marvelous. He was absolutely marvelous. I thought the casting across the board was solid. Um, this is very much a binge-worthy show. Um, I, I watched, uh, my wife and I watched um, episode one, and then we came back a, a few nights later and decided, you know, let's, let's pick back up. And we ended up watching uh, episodes two through eight straight through to like two in the morning. And we just, we don't do that. We don't take the time to do that um, much anymore. Yep. Y'all are usually did. asleep by 9 p.m. anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's on a late night. So, yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah it was, uh, I, I'd say, if you like action, and I'm talking heavy R-rated action, um, brutal, incredibly brutal, uh, the, episode uh, two, uh, there was a scene that, that uh, Thomas had to uh, say, say to my bride, hey, you may want to close your eyes. And, and yeah, there are some brutality. brutality very realistic uh, aspects in this series, but uh, I am uh, incredibly excited about, uh, about season two uh, for this. And what I loved about this is it, it looked at uh, one particular book and, and covered the story of that one book. And when you can do that in long form, 
uh, in episodic television, you can do it and do it well. That's exactly what happened here. So Reacher, I highly recommend it. Again, it is an adult action drama uh, thriller as well and a bit of a mystery. So uh, highly recommend this. Uh, Thomas, uh, anything else you want to add before we, uh, before we start wrapping up? Um, just it's got this cold precision to it as far as the way that um, the, the characters are professionals in what they do. Um, and it's very systematic, calculated. Um, and you think to yourself, if Jack Reacher was a real person, this is probably exactly how he would take care of the situation. So, I mean, I think obviously having Lee Child as, uh, as an advisor on the series went a long way toward developing something as you know, accurate and faithful as that goes. Yeah, that's what I loved about it, is it really did feel realistic. It, it yeah. felt authentic. Uh, and so many times you feel things are overdone uh, or, or sometimes underdone. But this one just was, you know, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, man. This was just right. This was just right. So what is your rating for this, Thomas? Solid A- minus for a first season of Reacher on Prime. Okay, and I'm giving it a solid A. That's Reacher. You can find that on Amazon Prime. Douglas Davidson, been our guest here talking about the Batman and the Pete Cloud. Uh, we really appreciate you spending time with us. And where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me and my work at elementsofmadness.com and similarly on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook under that. Awesome. And uh, Thomas, appreciate you as always chiming in and giving some rich, deep, and, and, and thought-provoking material. And uh, if you want to email us, info at C19 for the Easter egg that relates to Thomas's past, I encourage you to do that. Uh, I will leave you with a movie quote of the week. This does come from the Batman. Come on, vengeance. Let's get into some trouble. So until <laughs> next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for the cast and crew, uh, everyone right here at Meet Me the Movies. That's a wrap. Hey,